Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Gluttony! It's one of the sins, you realize. It's a sin, gluttony. One of the seven deadly sins, right? It's not a, just a sin. Not a, hey, I wish you wouldn't do that. It's a d- death. Yeah, so it's not only just bad for you, it's a sin. God does not like God gluttony. Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, he I'm, was displeased with me. Yeah, me too. I'm speaking to myself. Let's, let's just tone down the gluttony. I ate the last big plate full of mashed potatoes, gravy, turkey, and stuffing last night, and let's just tone her down a little bit. Maybe something a little light tonight. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's walk away from the t- let's walk away from the table and not waddle away from the table for the first time in four days. <laughs> How much apple crisp is enough? I'm asking myself, not you. Oh, it's so good though. Warmed up little ice cream. Oh, there were references to how my gallbladder gave up on me last year, <laughs> and uh, I'm running out of organs. It quit and walked out. Yes, the great resigning or whatever they call that. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, here, here's a young man who's slim and in fine uh, physical condition, not to mention uh, a sharp mind, and that's Tim Sandifer, Tim the lawyer. Tim Sandifer is the vice president for litigation for the Goldwater Institute, author of many fine tomes, including some of my favorites, The Right to Earn a Living and The Permission Society, uh, and, and also a brand new book, which we'll talk to him about in a couple of minutes. But Tim, how are you? Welcome. Uh- I don't know, man. I think I may have uh, indulged in a little of that gluttony myself over Thanksgiving. Yes. I know you're we, not we uh, f- frightened by your maker, but it's not always in the best 
health for all of us. <laughs> we went to we went, we spent Thanksgiving in Hawaii. So uh, I am I am now officially what the Hawaiians call a pua'a or pig. <laughs> Gorged myself at the luau. So, hey, by the way, I saw that post on your Twitter, you and your and, and the, your wedding anniversary, and the picture of you and Christine on the couch as a Simpsons drawing. Where'd you come up with that? That was awesome. I don't know. My wife contacted the artist and got that done Simpsons style portrait of our family uh, sitting on the Simpsons couch. It's absolutely perfect. It's yeah. Go well on my wall. That is so cool. Wow, that is a cool gift. Yeah, indeed. So, Tim, we have a lot of stuff to talk to you about. A couple of big cases, uh, one that you've been working on personally, and then your new book is out, and we want to talk to you about that. But let's uh, let's uh, first bring the gavel down and talk about uh, the cases. Now, for instance, you're working on an Indian Child Welfare Act case. We've talked to you about it, but for folks not familiar with it, give them the thumbnail sketch, if you would. That's a federal that that law is a federal law that says how states have to treat child welfare cases like abuse and neglect and adoption and foster care if a child is biologically eligible for membership in an Indian tribe. So it draws this biological distinction between kids and says that states have to treat these Indian children differently. And what's amazing about it is it says they have to treat these Indian children worse because this law actually overrides the best interest of the child rule, which is the rule that governs how these kinds of cases are dealt with, and it forces state officials to send Indian children back to abused homes in situations that would not happen if the kids were white or black or Asian or Hispanic or whatever. And as a result, this law has led to the preventable murder of Indian children across the country in case after case after case. So we've been challenging the constitutionality of this law, and that case went to the U.S. Supreme Court and was argued a couple of weeks ago. I went out to D.C. To, uh, to attend these oral arguments. It was a very exciting thing to witness. Well, what was, what's the argument for, for the status quo? Because it well, sounds horrifically all- racist. It, it really is, but the, the reasoning behind it at the time was actually they, they thought they were doing a good thing because in the decades that preceded its passage, which was in 1978, states and federal officials, they had been engaged in this pro- program of purposely taking Indian children away from their families in order to forcibly assimilate them with white society. And so that, that was like, you know, taking kids away from their families for no good reason. And so they said, well, how can we stop this from happening? And so they passed this law intending to put an end to that. But as almost seems to almost always happen, the government went too far the other direction and ended up passing a law that actually prohibits states from protecting these children nowadays in many cases. Wow, that's just the results are unthinkable and just the the logic strikes or the lack of logic is so troubling. Um, but so that it's been argued and, you know, it's difficult to, to say how it went. But how did it go? Oh, it went pretty well. It was it was four hours of oral argument, which is incredibly long. Ooh. I mean, that's like 19th century style back when they used to take all day. And the uh, the justices were all very attentive to the a very complicated constitutional questions here because it's not just that it's race based it's also what are the limits between federal and state authority and what are the what do the regulations say there's a lot of parts of the law that actually aren't defined so nobody really knows what some of these terms mean and things so it went back and forth there were some really good arguments on both sides i'm optimistic i think that the argument went pretty well for us 
I I'm predicting it'll be a 5-4. I think it'll be close, but I think it I I'm optimistic that this case is going to to declare this law unconstitutional and force Congress to say, look, the, without regard to, to children's race, we need to prioritize their best interests. Can't say, you know, like this law basically prohibits white adults from adopting Indian children. Children who are in need don't they're not interested in color lines. They need protection and help. And this law is a law that says that even when there are adults willing to help children in need, they're not allowed to if they're the wrong race. And that's really outrageous. How, how much of the uh, the oral arguments was that new chatty Supreme Court justice just talks too much? <laughs> yeah, there there was a little bit of that. It wasn't too much. But, you know, after four hours, I think we were all so exhausted that when, actually, it was funny, the Chief Justice said, uh, thank you, the case is submitted, which means everybody's done. Well, one of the lawyers had not had his chance to, to finish up his argument. So he stood there with this funny look on his face until the Chief Justice said, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. And he went up to the podium and he said, I take the hint, Your Honor. And <laughs> as quick as you could be. <laughs> yeah, wow, wow. Okay, let's talk about another case that I was asking you about a few weeks ago uh, that had to do with enforcing laws against uh, public camping, blocking sidewalks, etc. in Phoenix as, uh, you know, every, it need not be reset, but everybody in every blue city in the country and some of the purple cities is dealing with this horrific influx of, of junkie camps everywhere. What's that case about? Yeah, unfortunately, Phoenix is now the the location of one of the largest homeless encampments in the country. Over a thousand people who are living in what we call the zone on several blocks of downtown Phoenix in tents and on the streets because of a city policy to refuse to enforce laws against vagrancy and camping and pollution and these sorts of things. And as a result, it's destroying the businesses in the area. These people who, who are trying to run a business in these several blocks that are now being occupied by the homeless are they're, they're finding that they can't have they can't hire people to work in these businesses. They can't protect the safety of their employees. They can't even protect their own businesses from 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 arson. They're, these people are setting fires to stay warm now that it's getting colder. Yet one person testified at a recent hearing that he had to have all the wheel the windows in the building sealed because of all the urine no. soaking into the to the place where he works because of these homeless encampments. So. Several business owners have filed suit in the the state courts here, challenging the the city's maintenance of a public nuisance. A nuisance is, you know, when you use your property in a way that damages somebody else's property. And the government's not allowed to run a nuisance any more than anybody else is. And by maintaining this homeless encampment now for for a couple years now, and and basically attracting this this element to the community to destroy people's property, the city is engaged in a nuisance. Now, unfortunately, we had a hearing several weeks ago, and then the case got reassigned to a new judge. So now we have to have another hearing next week uh, seeking a court order commanding the city to start enforcing its own laws. Well, obviously, this could have far-reaching consequences if it goes the correct way to my mind. I don't know where you draw the line at nuisance, but maybe that would finally be the way you break up these camps, right? That's that's right. And in fact, there is one precedent already in place. Remember when when uh, uh, I think it was Portland, they were operated what they called Chaz or Chop or whatever the the, the yeah, Seattle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. To set up the this uh, autonomous community zone in the middle of the city and refuse to enforce the law there. As a result, a lot of people suffered their their property was being destroyed and taken away from. So they sued the city, and the the federal court allowed that case to go forward, saying that that was a taking of their property without due process of law. 
So there is precedence on the book that says that when the government just completely uh, washes its hands of its obligation to enforce the law and protect people's property rights, then it can be liable for depriving people of their constitutional rights. Yeah, that's interesting because I know I know business owners who who feel like they can't they don't get near the as many customers as they would normally get because it's so hard right. to get to their front door. And what's so frustrating for us, the largely law-abiding, is that uh, they're violating sewage laws, they're violating camping laws, they're violating drug use laws, and just there's a lack of political will, or I should put it in the affirmative, there's a political will to ignore the law. Unlicensed dogs off-leash, I mean, it's endless. Refusing to enforce the the laws against pollution. It's illegal in Arizona to pollute the public waterways. Well, this zone is within walking distance of the Salt River. People are urinating and defecating on the streets and the sidewalks, and that when it rains, that runs off into the river. Well, no private party would be allowed to do that, and the city isn't allowed to do that either. I was kind of surprised when you said it's been going on for years, because when you first said a 1,000 people, I thought, well, can't you just wait till summer? It'll take, kind of take care of itself, but it's been going on for years. What, how, did, how do you stay in one of those places in the summertime? I I can't imagine. And, of course, in the winter, they're going to start setting even more fires than they currently are, which sets fires to the tents a lot of the time and starts to burn down the buildings. And we're talking about these buildings are these these uh, tents are basically situated between the main campus of Arizona State University and the state capitol building in Phoenix. So you're talking about uh, places we would really rather not have violent crime and arson going on. Well, listen, I want to leave uh, time for a discussion of Tim's brand new book, which sounds really, really interesting. Uh, can you hang around for a couple minutes? Yeah, absolutely. All right. He'd, uh, Tim Sander for a good follow on Twitter, too, if you do that sort of thing, always. Uh, stay with us. More on the way. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I see that Tim Sandifer signed his new book. Did he actually sign it, or did he do like Bob Dylan just got sued for, <laughs> having a computer sign his book? I had vertigo or something. Yeah, that's what happened. My hand is tired. <laughs> Tim Sandifer is the Vice President for Litigation at the Goldwater Institute. If you just missed our conversation with him about a couple of really interesting cases, grab it via podcast later. I'm strong and getting on demand. But now, now let's move on to his brand new book, Freedom's Furies, How Isabel Patterson, Rose Wilder Lane, and Ayn Rand Found Liberty in an Age of Darkness. Uh, it's Ladies' Night, Tim Sandifer's word processor. Hey, Tim, <laughs> what inspired right. you? Yeah. Well, I, I it's just I've always thought it was a really interesting story that these three women in the year 1943, each of them published books that basically started the modern libertarian movement. And it turns out that they knew each other and were friends, and they were all very interesting people. Rose Wilder Lane, for example, basically ghost wrote the Little House on the Prairie novels with her mother, Laura Ingalls Wilder. And, of course, Rand started a philosophical movement that was very influential. She had been born in the Soviet Union and escaped to the United States as a, a young woman to, to get away from Stalin's Russia. And Patterson is not very well known, but in, during her lifetime, she was the most influential book critic probably in, a, in, in New York City. 
and a very powerful voice. And the three of them together, they they were friends, and and they decided to kind of uh, push back against the New Deal. And uh, so I decided to write a little bit about them, and it turned into a book that's more on the literary and political history of the New Deal and of their own writing and their own careers than anything else. Um, I like the books pushing back against the New Deal because you know it's regularly hailed, hailed in mainstream media as an obviously good thing for everyone yeah. in the country. Um, how did how did they define their political views i mean what was the what were the main tenets of their political view they consider themselves individualists so they didn't really use the word libertarian um even rand particularly hated the word libertarian they considered themselves radicals for capitalism that is they they were ki- they were a kind of liberal in the sense that they were in favor of liberating individuals which is what liberal used to mean but they thought the best way to liberate individuals was through the free market to let people do their own thing and only uh, bring the, have the government become involved if people start violating each other's rights by taking their stuff away or beating them up or whatever. They didn't believe in government as a savior or a protector figure. And I think that's part of the reason why their being women was relevant, because Patterson and Lane were born in 1886, so they were in their 30s when uh, women got the right to vote in America. And so they were very familiar with the way that being protected or shielded from from the the harsh things in life is really a euphemism for taking people's freedom away from them. Mm. And of course, Rand, you know, in the Soviet Union, they had been promised, oh, well, we're, government is going to oversee a, a, an era of utopia and plenty. And she, of course, witnessed personally how that actually worked out. So th- I think they were especially sensitive to the idea that being protected means taking your freedom away. Interesting, especially because it's it's fairly indisputable that when women gain the right to vote, sympathy increased a great deal for a more mommyish government, a more caretaker government. That was certainly their view. That was certainly what Patterson thought. Patterson thought that she was very, very uh, a kind of a cynical personality, and she thought that when the New Deal came along. The masculine virtues all basically disappeared, and she, she late in her life she used to say, "I grew up in a, in, a, in a world where men were men." But she thought that that with with the coming of Franklin Roosevelt and the bureaucratic state that is supposed to protect everybody, that men just vanished from the earth, and what we were left with was guys who were just begging for favors and protection instead, and it disgusted her. Lane, of course, she grew up on the western frontier. She she grew up on the prairie. She hated it so much that she moved to Albania to get away from it. But she grew up in on, in the west, and so she knew what it was from her parents and her grandparents what it was what what masculine virtues were necessary to settle the western frontier. And Rand had this idea of what masculine virtue meant of of being bold and uncompromising, self-reliant, and so forth. And she thought that was being undermined by the New Deal. So they all they all thought the American character of boldness and enterprise is being destroyed by government intervention. That's fantastic. I love that. I promise I will read this book. And I, like I said, I love any pushback against the idea that the New Deal was just overwhelmingly positive for America. So the title the is poet. Freedom's Furies, How Isabel Patterson, Rose Wilder, Lane, Nine Rand Found Liberty in an Age of Darkness. We'll have a link at armstrongandgetty.com so you can find it easily. Tim, we apologize, but we're up against a hard break and must bid you a fond adieu. Appreciate your time, though. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's always great to talk. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, you run into that all the time in mainstream media, that the, the New Deal, you know, that's, that's, what, uh, that's what Biden should do. That's what he should do. It brought us thing. out of the darkness. Right. Yeah. 
I like this. Three women saying, what happened to the men in this country? <laughs> and those women never saw a wispy little fellow walking around with a man bun either, did they? <laughs> How much would they have hated that? Huh? If you missed an hour of the show, get the podcast Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com news and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com news. Identity theft protection starts here. And let's not forget, this is happening at great personal risk. The people who are involved in these protests know that they're likely bound for jail, that they are going to be facing an incredibly <laughs> repressive regime. And yet they continue to protest because they realize this zero COVID policy makes no sense. There is no end game in mind. And the only person responsible for this is Xi Jinping, the leader of China. So these protests continue and the world should take notice because this is a tremendous activity that's happening in China uh, that frankly is happening organically right. where people are speaking out because they don't like what's going on. That's our friend Lan He Chen on uh, Fox and Friends talking about the protests that are going on in China, which you may have missed over the weekend because you were living your life uh, with the Thanksgiving break, probably. And this has been going on for about three days, protests all across the country based, uh, well, based on the fact that they got this zero COVID policy that's insane and they've had for quite a while. But 
based on the fact that there was a fire at an apartment complex and 10 people died. And the, the, the thinking is that these people died because you know, they locked the doors from the outside and the, the, the police and fire aren't able to get there. And zero COVID is making people miserable. And this is kind of a lit the fire of protest all across the country. Now, how the Communist Party is going to react to chance that G should resign, etc., nobody knows. Although we do have some breaking news on that. You said the Wall Street Journal? Yeah, the Wall Street Journal's out with the news that the Chinese authorities have surprisingly cracked down on the protests and are actively discouraging uh, any sort of protesting, dispatching phalanxes of police to prevent fresh gatherings as state media reiterated support for leader Xi Jinping's stringent pandemic strategy. Yeah, I I mentioned once earlier that I had heard Iran is a step beyond what most authoritarian regimes have done since the dawn of time. Like, Iran is doing it old school. You just go in there with sticks and beat people, hit them, shoot them. Drag them away to jail. Hope you can get the protests to go away. China, because of their uh, technology, and they're the world's second biggest economy, so they got... A lot of money to spend on this sort of thing. It's all about identify and detain. They've got to, they can take the time to look at, find your face. They got facial recognition technology. They got freaking cameras everywhere. They'll figure out who you are. Then a week from now, they'll come to your house and you'll just go away to some Chinese work camp or something like that. And eventually that'll take the steam out of the protest. That's their goal, I guess. See how that, that would works. do it. If enough of your friends get disappeared, you might hesitate to take the streets. Or, as has uh, been shown in history over and over again, or more and more people take to the streets. Yeah, just if you haven't been following the whole zero COVID policy that Xi has been sticking to in in the defiance of like all evidence, it would seem. It reminds me of Mao back in the 50s. Early '60s, where he was committed to his his uh, his great leap forward uh, that was starving people and all the people around him, and certainly the citizens of the country saying, "Hey, this isn't working." He stuck with it. He actually got pushed out of power briefly because it was such a bad decision. We'll see what happens with G. But this is what zero COVID policy is like. When we talk about zero COVID here, what we're talking about is. When there's the quarantines, there's the mass testing, there's there's the limits on mobility. But in China, when you get COVID, you don't take a few days off work and ride it out at home. When you get COVID here, they track you down and they come and they take you to a hospital and they take your Mm. family to a quarantine center. Those container uh, shipping container camps that that we're seeing being built at a at a frantic rate. And you stay in the system until the system says you can leave. This is what people are frustrated with as well. It's all Mm. of the limits on mobility. It's businesses being forced to close down, people losing money, people losing their jobs. But it's this sense of a loss of freedom uh, that comes with this policy and people saying enough is enough that it's got to change. Yeah, the sense of a loss of freedom comes with your loss of freedom. That sense will start to get to you. Well, and I'd caution folks if they heard the phrase, they take you to a hospital. Don't picture an American hospital. Picture a hastily built Chinese uh, COVID jail, essentially, where you're imprisoned eating bread and water until you're healthy again. Yeah, they come by. There's videos of it out there. In fact, we tweeted out one of a kid 
that they had snatched and put in the hazmat suit, and he's wandering around being yelled at by guards who are also in hazmat suits, so he can go in his little cell, and then they'll slide food through the door for you for weeks at a time. The parents not knowing where you are, you not knowing where your parents I mean, just, just it's absolutely horrifying. Um, that, uh, that woman there from NBC News reporting on uh, some of the conditions at uh, various workplaces... Protesters also taking to the streets in China, rejecting what they call onerous lockdowns under China's oppressive COVID-0 policy. The violence extending to what is known as iPhone City after 200,000 workers were forced into isolation in trash-filled dorms. What's that going to do to the whole iPhone thing? Is this going to hasten the inevitable Apple pulling out of China? It's inevitable, isn't it? It's absolutely pushing him in that direction, yeah. yeah. I'd love to hear the discussions behind the scenes. 200,000 iPhone City employees protesting. Now, I ordered uh, the aforementioned iPhone, uh, a, a fancy pants one, I admit it, and I was informed that we would be delighted to bring that to your home, sir, in five weeks. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Which one did you? Did, are you trying to get? Uh, the fancy pants one. I'm just saying that. Let's leave it there. There, are, Homeless people have this phone. College kids have this phone. You're not coming off as, like, elite by having the 14 Pro Max. Nah, it's the 15. I called Tim. I said Tim. Oh, well, that is elite. Um, I got status. I, I, can't be, I can't be on the same phone as the homeless and college students. No, it's the 14 Pro Max. But that's pretty interesting because I bought mine off the shelf a couple of weeks ago, and you're saying they ain't got them right now. So I wonder if this is because of this. Yeah, yeah, it, it kind of depends, and uh, I don't, I don't know. I wasn't going to spend a lot of time worrying about. Well, maybe the other color is in stock or whatever, mm. and blah blah blah. But but anyway, they're they're definitely short. You wanted gold. You're like Trump. Everything's gold. Your toilet's gold. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. My bling clearly gold. So when Kanye and Nick Fuentes come to your house, so they can enjoy your gold fixtures and everything like yeah. that. Hey, Michael, look at my navel piercing. Gold. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to think about that. <laughs> my my hairy belly. Oh, anyway, where were we? Ah, yes, the oppression in China. Oh, and the, the real thing is the protests are unlike anything that has happened uh, under Xi's leadership. The biggest protests in China since 1989, which those didn't end well. Um, uh, how is how is she going to handle this? Um, that's what everybody's wondering. Well, so interesting because it's in multiple big cities, young, old, rich, poor, uh, really widespread, a lot of anger. I think it probably ends like most of these things end. They will oppress just enough to get the people to shut up and get back in line. I don't mean to be discouraging, but that's usually how these things end. On the other hand, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, uh, some of the creativity, snark, and sarcasm of the visuals of the demonstrations, really interesting. Um, everything from, uh, students at this university in Beijing showing a math equation. Their placards have a math equation. Why? Because it was a math equation devised by the Russian physicist Alexander Friedman, whose surname in Chinese is a homonym for, it looks the same as, a free man. And so they're holding up this polit- this, uh, math equation because the authorities can't censor it, and online especially. Um, they sarcastically, because in Chinese Internet, it's highly suppressed, highly uh, censored, and positive messages abound. Negative ones are scrubbed. 
So the protesters resorted to irony. They posted walls of text filled with the Chinese characters for yes, good, and correct to sarcastically point out how bad everything is. And then my favorite one is, uh, and you'll see this a lot in, in video protests or pictures if you see any, is they're holding up blank sheets of white paper. And uh, and it has multiple multiple meanings. Uh, white is a common funeral color in China, so that has to do with mourning the people killed in the fire, Jack mentioned. Um, also, uh, it relates to, it's an old joke from the Soviet Union. It's a bitter joke. Um, but that uh, a guy was handing out uh, uh, pamphlets in, in the square, and the police came in to arrest him. And he showed the cops that the uh, pamphlets were were blank and asked uh, why the pamphlets are blank. He said, there's no need for words. Everybody knows. In other words, the Chinese people are saying, everybody knows why we're angry, specifically. I don't even need to use words. Just hold up a blank sheet of paper, which is a powerful symbol. God, I would say, I would say. So this is out today, a BBC statement on Ed Lawrence, who's a award-winning, well-known BBC journalist who was arrested, handcuffed, beaten, and kicked by police covering wow. the protests in Shanghai over the weekend. BBC very unhappy with that treatment from the freaking Chinese government. That's, uh, you got that, you, you got that level of protests. Well, the biggest protest in China since Xi's been in charge, the biggest pushback on Putin since he's been in charge, and the biggest pushback on the Ayatollah since he's been in charge in Iran. Yeah, yeah. All happening at the same time. Yeah, you wonder. It's so hard to say, uh, you know, whether any of these will be successful. Dictators are very good at holding on to power until the moment that they're not. And then control apart. your soul's desire for freedom. That's just good advice. Um, that's from China. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we we need to re-explain that because it's so good. That's the drones. They were flying outside the buildings. When people are locked inside the building, you're not able to go out and get food or medicine for your kids or anything like that. They play a drone that says this. Control your soul's desire for freedom. The government telling you to control your soul's desire for freedom. How? It's too Orwellian for Orwell. Yeah, I know. No, he'd say, nah, that's too much. I'm taking this out in 1984. Nobody'd buy it. It's unbelievable. Control your soul's desire for freedom. So I'm looking at this update from the Wall Street Journal about how the uh, the police are arriving en masse to the places the protests have been. Um, and there don't seem to be any because there's so many cops. In Shanghai, police were checking the phones of people who showed up at People's Square Station, a transportation hub, in search of foreign apps, including Instagram, Twitter, and Telegram. Hand me your phone. According to messages posted in a chat room used by protesters, police also turned out in Hong Kong, etc., uh, etc. Et How about that? You show up uh, to take the train to work? The cop says, give me your phone. And goes through it to search for any foreign apps, and if yeah. they find any, you're in trouble. Yeah, sure, and you might just end up on a list where you don't, you no longer get to uh, have the job you want, or live where you want, or all kinds of different things. Yeah, yeah. Really that whole a f- uh, social score they had. What, what's the term for that? Well, that's essentially it. Um, our text line is four one five two nine five KFTC. KFTC. 
We will finish strong next. Control your soul's desire for freedom. Nephew. Armstrong and Getty. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not with 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. The Armstrong and Getty Show. By now, your pants have completed their journey from on to unbuttoned to who needs pants. Uh, Congratulations. Please get comfortable, relax. You just did all the dishes, or you stood around pretending to be busy to avoid doing the dishes, whatever you did. And I could uh, actually just like to make a, a quick public service announcement, if I could. If you're still at someone's house watching me right now, everyone wants you to go home. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> so Fallon did a live show on Thanksgiving night. Hmm. Wonder what his wife thought of that. A hmm. um, couple of things to mention for you. Uh, Elon allowed a whole bunch of people back on Twitter, including President Trump, who has not tweeted as of yet. But he let uh, Kanye back on, and Kanye's first tweet was Shalom. So, there you go. Unfortunate. Kanye did announce a couple days ago that he is running for president in 2024. Maybe tomorrow we will talk a little bit about the Trump, Kanye, and then whoever that other guy was that I've never heard of, who's a bad guy. Young white supremacist. Maybe we'll talk about that tomorrow. Um. And and maybe talk about Elon and what his his how he has time to argue with individual musicians and actors and actresses across the country while he's running. I was busy with two kids. I don't know how he's got so much time with ten kids. 
Well, and I got one job. He's got like six of those. Right. Uh, Ecuadorian fans were chanting, we want beer during the opening of the World Cup match. So did that did that change? Are they still not allowing people to drink? Did that did anybody give on that? No beer in the stadiums. So not going to change on that. Correct. Even after we, I thought maybe eventually the pressure would build up and they decide that they want want the money badly enough. No, no. The Qataris uh, had the they won the bid ten years ago, forty eight right. hours before the kickoff. They said no beer in the stadium. Yeah, I get that, but I just I thought they might cave. This has been going on for what a full week now. The World Cup. And we I play, haven't heard do, that you, do you know what time we play Iran tomorrow? Is Any it, minute. Is, is it in the middle um, of the night? Like you got to watch it two in the morning, or we'll be... no, it's the middle of the day. I'm no. just finding out. I believe it's one p.m. I'm trying to check right now. Yeah, my recollection is yeah, it's more or less that, Michael. Something like noon Eastern or, or two Eastern, or I can't remember. Uh, there's a new book out called "Who's Raising the Kids" that I want to get into more later this week. Also, that just came out and is getting a fair amount of attention. Big tech, big business, and the lives of our children, and how. Screens are raising our children, and uh, all of the statistics that show why it is absolutely horrible, which is not surprising anyone. Wow. Um, so you mentioned that. I uh, actually, I actually yeah. deleted a tweet that I tweeted out the other day for Thanksgiving. I'm going to talk about that during the podcast. So, really? Yeah, our one more thing podcast. I deleted a tweet, which I think might be the first time I've ever done that. Okay, I've got. Uh, I'll save it for my one. Uh, what was it? One more thing. Last thing. Final, uh, thoughts. final thoughts. That's it. Yeah, that's what we're doing here. Uh, we've been off for a while. Yeah, sure. I don't want the show to be over, but I'm ready Ow! to listen to the final thoughts from Armstrong and Getty. Yeah. Here's your host for final thoughts, Joe Getty. All right, then, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew, shorthanded still, but doing our best bravely. Young Michelangelo is our behind-the-scenes uh, technical director there, pushing buttons. Michael, final thought? Yeah, I was just looking up the game. It looks like you're right. I think it's 2 p.m. Eastern time, so it'll be 11 a.m. and on the West Coast. What about in Chicagoland? Michael, be thorough. And so as far as you know, PM. if the Iranian goalie lets a ball get by, they don't chop off his hands? I don't, I don't know. They mm. might. Uh, let's see. Jack, do you have a final thought for us? Yeah, I came across this and uh, 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 some words of wisdom. Maybe I'll share some more of them tomorrow. It's a book or something like that. But I thought this was a good quote. You'll never be as young as you are now. Do what you feel you are meant to do. Hmm. But uh, that is worth keeping in mind all the time. You'll never what be. What if what I'm meant to do is lie down? You'll never that's be. Kind of how as, <laughs> you'll never be as young as you are now. Huh? You can't wow. go backwards, but you are the youngest you're ever going to be again. Right now. Damn. Damn. My final thought will be uh, this email from Robert. Listening to you dopes talk about people working on Thanksgiving is ridiculous. You take off three days before and three days after every holiday. Lazy a-holes. Except he spells it out. What was what was that in response to? You want my serious answer? Yeah. The fact that he has a miserable, unhappy life and is just looking for somebody to spew it out on. I don't remember mocking people who work over Thanksgiving or anything like that. 
Well, no, no, no. We didn't say we were mocking people. He said he, us even th- talking about it is ridiculous. But okay. he's angry at other things, and, you know, it's fine. I hope he get, finds happiness someday. I've worked many a Thanksgiving and Black Friday. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. Every Friday's a Black Friday, you racist. Hey, uh, so many people who thank so little time, go to armstrongandgetty.com. If we talked about a great article or a video or whatever, it, the link is there under hot links, armstrongandgetty.com. See you tomorrow. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. They're loco. They're locking up my toothpaste. It's 100 on the crazy meter. That's right. I don't think people um, are able to really grasp that. It's outrageous. And so grotesque. Hey, Michael, look at my navel piercing. <laughs> Gold. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. Navel piercing. <laughs> I expected more. I don't give two crabs. I yield the rest of my time, but this. On that high note, thank you all very much. <laughs> okay. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.